there, everyone. You're listening to East Tea West, the freshly brewed queer Asian podcast for queer Asians all across the globe. I'm your co-host, Carmi, and I identify as lesbian, and I am Filipino-Chinese. I also am in the legal tech field and will soon be transitioning to cyber security law and privacy law. If this is your first time listening to us, we're excited to have you and hope that you continue to stay with us. Uh, And if you've listened to us before, welcome back. Uh, Today, we are continuing our discussion uh, from last week's episode called The L.A. Word, which stands for Lesbian Asians in Los Angeles. We are continuing this podcast to answer a couple more prompts because the last podcast we kind of cut it short uh, so that we have extra time to explore these topics. So I am joined today with Marilyn, Elise, and Angela. Izzy, yet again, if you haven't heard already, she isn't here to join us. Um, She's enjoying herself in Asia, and I'm jealous. (laughs) So we are going to hear back from her, and we will have our co-host, back soon enough and with that we're gonna go ahead and start with introductions can you reintroduce yourself please marilyn uh hi i'm marilyn i grew up in san jose um and live in la now i identify as lesbian and i'm a dentist oh and i'm vietnamese american uh hi my name is elise i identify as lesbian um i'm a third year medical student at usc and I am also Chinese-American. Hi, I'm Angela Campos. I identify as a lesbian. I am a post-bar law school graduate, a particular interest in entertainment law and all things gaming, and I am a Filipino. Okay, so following from last week's podcast episode, we kind of discussed our background a bit. So right now we're actually delving into more I guess you would say like a more queer space, like queerer than the last uh, episode of that's kind of hard to imagine, but it's true. So we're going to actually go over some topics that you all might be interested in knowing. So what's it like for a lesbian Asian to date in Los Angeles? Where is the tea? We have all the tea right here. We just set up our own tea shop. Everybody gets a free sample of tea today. I can't wait. This is this is really one of the this is really one of the moments that I kind of had a light bulb moment and I said we have to do this podcast. I'm way too excited because these ladies are so um wise or just like knowledgeable or expressive in their life experiences and I find it fascinating that we can all share this space together because like I said again this is really an international space. We just had somebody from Australia. We just had a recording in Canada. And now we have literally four lesbians kicking ass in LA. So with that, we are gonna follow through with our first prompt. All right, Marilyn, this is for you. How have you been perceived as dating options in the queer Asian world? And with that, you know, how have you also been perceived in the queer Asian community, both individually and professionally? Uh, Feel free to share how you feel about 
dating options in Los Angeles, Asian and non-Asian, uh, before to now. And I do know that you have a partner, so you know, feel free to adjust to however you like. So it's hard to, for me to really discuss about how I've been perceived as dating while in the queer Asian world, just because um, when I entered my profession, I already really had a partner. Um, well, I should say when I was in dental school, I already had a partner. And so I didn't really date for all that long. I was only on dating apps for two weeks before I found my partner. So I've really lucked out in that regard. I know a lot of people have more difficult experiences. But I think within like the queer Asian community itself, when I talk to other queer Asians, there's always a certain level of respect, like not just for me, but for I think for other queer professionals, because I think that life is already really, really hard navigating queer spaces. But to be able to do that and juggle um, becoming a successful um, person in, within your own profession on top of that, um, it's not always the easiest thing. And there's sometimes, um, I think I lucked out because I came out fairly late, but other people who were trying to figure out their sexuality and like were juggling all of their emotional trauma at a young age, sometimes like that manifested itself in other ways and they got distracted or derailed from their, um, their goals, um, because they were trying to figure that out, that other identity. Um, so I'm proud of myself and other people for getting to where I am today while still dealing with that sort of adversity. Um, but in terms of dating options in LA, I can only speak for, you know, for what I see of other people. Um, I think in LA in general, dating is just difficult. Um, when you have to, when you really narrow things down, I was on four dating apps for those two weeks and I saw the same people on each and every single dating apps. And those same people that I, I remember swiping on actually turned out to be my partner's friend or my, you know, my ex-girlfriend started dating one of my partner's friends. And so the circles um, of dating is just very, very small. And once you date one person, you kind of get to know everybody, at least if you're also attracted to Asians within the LA space. So it's not easy. Anyone want to add to that tea? Agreed. There's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of talk in the community because people knew who I was because the Asian community in the LA and OC area, I guess the queers all know each other. Um, and I don't know how they knew me because I didn't know them. The second that you enter the queer Asian space, everybody knows. Oh my gosh, that kind of sounds creepy, but it actually is accurate. Like everyone knows. Oh man, what um, did yeah. I get myself into? I can verify. That's that's pretty true. We have a pretty small dating circle. And Los Angeles is a big city. Like hell. Well, I think that's the general fear about dating and, um, and being queer, right? It's just you're already limited to queer people, which is, you know, less than 10% of the population. And then within that, you're looking at an even smaller and smaller circle. Elise, uh, how have you been perceived as uh, dating options in the queer Asian world? How have you been perceived in the queer Asian community individually and professionally? Can you please share how you feel about dating options in L.A. from both Asians and non-Asians uh, before to now? 
I'm going to start with how I feel about dating in LA because that might lead into things. I think, like Marilyn said, it is a small population. People talk. People seem to all know each other, in the, at least in the Asian um, queer women circle. Um, and I don't like that because I don't like when a reputation that could be true or false precedes me. And um, when someone already has a preconceived notion of me or anyone else before meeting them, I generally just don't like gossiping. In terms of dating options, I think I've historically, because I grew up in a more Caucasian area, I didn't really date much in the Asian queer community until um, a certain Facebook group has popped up and like meeting friends and like having dated one person in that realm and having gone on a date with someone else who was also part of that Facebook group has kind of made the circle, like the circle of queer Asian people kind of circle around me. And it's strange how I've been perceived in the Asian community. I think people have this idea that med students are always busy, don't have time for people, are emotionally closed off. And that's not entirely false at times. Yeah, people always seem to think that I don't have time. And that's not true because I make time meet people because I like getting to know people and I don't know I feel like maybe that does limit my dating options because people have this like idea that med students aren't going to give them the time day so I've been on like apps and it seems like there is a repetition of people who are on apps I think there's a decent amount of queer people on the internet and um I have yet to find like a like a long-term person to be with and it's a little frustrating sometimes because it just seems like everyone wants something casual. And I'm like hitting an old person age, about to have my mid like quarter life crisis here at 25. And um, I'm not really looking for casual things. Um, LA is kind of a city of fleeting hookups, I, I think. And as an old person, it's kind of frustrating. Even though there are a lot of queer people in LA, I think if you want to date seriously, it does limit it's like pretty limited, um, Asian, non-Asian. And in undergrad, I think even more so than in like grad school, people were just looking for hookups. It's not like something I wanted to participate in. Thank you so much. I do want to kind of wanted to express this to you listeners out there, just in case you ever find uh, (laughs) a busy medical student, so to speak. Uh, I'm just going to share based off of my experience and how I personally managed a relationship with a medical student turned resident. I was with her for her last year of medical school all throughout her residency. I will say that I learned the kind of like sacrifices they make on the job and how hard they have to work. And I'm a pretty busy person myself. So I really leave it up to professionals pretty much to do what they're doing. As long as they're a good person, they have a good head on their shoulders, you know, they they are caring for their family and they have a healthy circle. Like, it doesn't bother me. And I think it's a person by person basis as to how, in my opinion, how mature they're able to kind of understand the other person's point of view, that being a medical student or a resident. Now, no medical student, no resident is alike. So it really depends on, you know, who you're communicating with or who you want to really get close to. But I totally agree with Elise. They do make time 
So don't waste their time. <laughs> Be very intentional and do your best to, you know, create a very comfortable environment for you too. And good luck to everybody out there that uh, wants to take up that challenge. I will say it's a lot of work, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a great experience to take away from. I don't regret my time, you know, with uh, my former relationship. It was really one of the best relationships I've had to date. So yeah, it's it's all doable. Now, Angela, your turn. Uh, how have you been perceived as dating options in the queer Asian world? How have you been perceived in the queer Asian community individually and professionally? Can you please share how you feel about dating options in LA, uh, both Asian and non-Asian before to now? Okay, so I'm going to answer each, but not necessarily in that order. So how have I been perceived? It's been sort of a mixed bag. Like some people feel like being in the legal industry is kind of hot, like flashy law and order kind of stuff. Other people like are indifferent to it and other people are just interested in what I'm doing professionally and not related to my lesbian identity at all. So um, in terms of dating in Los Angeles, that's also been a mixed bag. Trying to date as a lesbian in my first year of law school is a real juggling act in terms of processing my sexual identity while not losing track of what I want to do as a professional. In terms of dating non-Asians, that was interesting. I don't think the cultural differences like were super relevant. It was just really a matter of like no chemistry being there. But um, it was nice for me to learn how Asians sort of come to terms with their queer identity while seeing how other people are trying to come to terms with their queer identity, it, it can be very different. And the challenges each person faces is very different as well. So that's made me more informed about the larger LGBT community. Um, dating in LA. I was also on dating apps like other people here. Uh, I eventually got lucky enough to find a partner who could put up with my quirky behavior that accompanies a lot of people while in law school. Um, I agree with everyone else here that dating while queer in the city can just be pure chaos. It It is small and there is drama. And like, at least I don't exactly like it. As someone in a professional field, I want people to sort of be direct and transparent with one another. I really place a value on like people communicating with another and like objectively listening to what each person needs from one another. But that isn't necessarily how people handle their relationships and like you said, I don't know if it's a matter of maturity or just being a young person in this city. I know that people are like me and want to handle the relationships like this, but it's true that our community does have the reputation of being like super dramatic. I'd like to see a change in the coming years. I think as people grow older, it will change, but we'll see. Can I add something to that? So Totally. I've actually been experimenting a little bit in terms of like approach to dating because you know the whole the stereotype is what you were saying that people are not very direct and um, they beat around the bush and they don't really tell you how you're being perceived in their eyes they can like people will ghost and just not say anything um, and I find that to be pretty immature of a coping mechanism because it's like I don't know if you treat someone as if they're an irreplaceable object then maybe you would find ghosting appropriate but i don't know i think online dating brings out the worst in people sometimes um so i've been trying this thing where i'm very direct with people in terms of telling them like yes i'm also talking to other people and it's totally fine if you're also talking to other people but can we be like truthful 
And like, if something comes up and if you end up liking someone else more, like, can we be like on the same page and just tell each other about that? Because it, it takes out the, the annoying and unnecessary mystery and drama around dating. Just like the more options people have, the less satisfied they seem to be. Um, and I think comes a little bit with this online dating phenomenon. Uh, I think that's a really like great experiment you're doing. If it's not too personal, it's okay to ask like what what kind of responses have you gotten like being that direct? I've gotten mostly positive responses. Um, I am very upfront usually, and I'll just say, "Oh, um, I don't actually know how I get on the topic, but once the topic comes up, I do say like I am like talking to other people. Um, I have had other dates." And it's totally okay if you see other people because that is the nature of this dating game. And like, we should just be open and honest about it. Less feelings get hurt. And I think it's a little refreshing to people just because we all, I've talked to several like queer people in LA and they are all sick of like this dating game. And I think taking the mystery out of it makes it less, I don't know, less bad maybe of an experience. You could say I was always very, very direct. Um, and very honest. You know, my, in my early dating stages with my own partner, we actually had that conversation where, you know, we weren't exclusive to each other, but I told her, I was like, I'm not seeing anybody else. Um, and we're not exclusive, but I really like you. And I kind of feel this weird obligation to tell you that I am meeting up with some girl and it's not a date, but it's like, I, I feel obligated to tell you. And she was on the same page. So I think that being honest when everyone else's feelings are so transient. I think it's refreshing. So I think that you should always be brutally honest with your feelings. And ultimately you want to find a partner who resonates those same feelings. You know, I think that people are so afraid of being alone that they um, aren't true to who they are. And like the more honest you are, the more you're going to get honesty back in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. So it sounds like you guys are okay in terms of dating apps and stuff kind of taking your time to figure things out do you guys ever have like a certain time period or feeling when you kind of know that you have to move it progress it a little bit more forward just a touch more not necessarily an exclusivity but an intention like how do you guys see intention well i think that like once you find a person who you know you constantly want to talk to them every single day or you're texting every single day or you are just waiting um, to talk to them or you're excited for your dates. And I think that once you are excited about somebody and you don't really want to talk to anybody else, I think that's kind of a sign that, you know, you should at least become sort of exclusive. That's the point in time where I told her that I, you know, felt this way about her. And um, we both deleted all of our dating apps and set that intention um, we didn't really officially get together a year later. I know that's really late, but I think that um, it gave us an opportunity to really take things slow and get to know each other without being afraid of like any dishonesty. And even when, you know, if she was talking to her ex or meeting up with her ex, she would let me know and I would do the same. Um, I would agree. Um, I think typically the feeling of wanting to talk to someone every day and not feeling like it's a, like a chore to answer back is it's always good to want to have someone as part of your life. I've been 
on the opposite end. So you said you took it about a year to get in officially. I actually am guilty of diving too fast into things. So, you know, lesbian stereotype. That was not my choice, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that does seem like a long time. I don't know. I just, I I think this time around, it's like the idea is to get to know someone more and get to know red flags a little more so I can anticipate them. And not, not red flags in the sense that like it's a deal breaker, but know things on a deeper level. I think there are people out there that are able to kind of like what Marilyn has has said before off chat, like take care of themselves, uh, support themselves, work on their personal growth, be, you know, have a solid foundation so that they're able to enter a relationship with, I would say, like a good amount of, of success. And clearly, you know, uh, Marilyn's doing that and Angela has entered a relationship too uh, where she's found uh, time to balance it. And I, oh, I actually forgot I have to put in my two cents. So uh, I will go ahead and say that I don't know how I feel about being perceived as a dating option in the queer Asian world. Dating option wise, a lot of queer Asian women do give me the ones that I at least feel that they're interested, even in the slightest way, getting to know me, they've been giving me a lot of respect lately, like a lot of support, a lot of love for the fact that I am extremely passionate in what I do in technology and law and women in technology and women in cybersecurity. I just wish they actually would ask me out. (laughs) Like that would be when I'm ready, obviously. I just feel like, whoa, great. You're so sweet to me. Oh my God, nothing is happening. (laughs) And in regards to dating options on, you know, uh, Subtle Queer, which I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, I think more casually, I'm finding really nice girls that even though we come from very different walks of life, they're really more willing to take a chance to get to know me. And I feel like the queer Asian community on squad really like they've accepted me individually because I've accepted them individually and professionally, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. I have friends, of course, I feel like I kind of categorized and I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so open about this, but I feel like I have categorized my squad friends to those that are a bit more, you know, professional and those that are just like enjoying life and just doing them. You know, I feel like I'm a bit of both. Uh, However, professional wise, at least if I were to ever enter a relationship, then I feel like these kinds of people would hold very similar values to me. You know, they'd probably be in long-term relationships as well with either another professional or them just being the only professional. So that's something that I feel like I uh, look out for. I mean, (laughs) sharing how I feel about dating options in Los Angeles, like, I don't know. I had a situation several situations on squad like in Los Angeles and not in Los Angeles that came at a bad time coming back I just feel like I'm not myself yet I feel like all the progress I'd made three years ago this you know this perfectly stable like capable woman of having a relationship that could just go on and on and on and I was you know I was ready to settle down uh that totally kind of like knocked itself off the table and I feel like I have to start 
all over again. I feel like I'm catching a second wind and it's been hard, honestly. So with that being said, when I'm, when I'm ready again to settle down, I've definitely decided I really want to settle down with an Asian woman. And I think my experience with my last long-term relationship definitely also let me know that I want to settle down with a professional too. I tend to date since after Tulane women that come from really high levels of academia to where there are really intelligent topics we can discuss together and bond over. So that's definitely just more so a, a preference that I have in dating. Uh, I just don't know really how like other girls see me. I'd probably ask these girls like off the podcast, like how other girls would see me as dating. But right now I see myself as a hot mess, <laughs> but a good person, obviously. Right. Like, I think we're all good people in this chat. Does anyone else have anything to add before we move on to the next prompt? I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody liking you for your profession per se. I think there's an issue when they date you for your profession, if that makes sense. They, I mean, they should like other aspects about you, but liking someone for their profession, I think that when you're a professional, you have ambition and a certain, like you said, a certain subset of values. You work really, really hard. You're diligent. So you know certain things about a person already that's already attractive um, off of the bat. You're self-sustainable. You're independent. But um, are there other factors here? Um, I think that it's a plus rather than something negative. And you should be proud of the profession that you're in. You worked hard for this. Um, I'm saying this in a general sense. So, yeah, and I know some people that like to hide what it is that they do because they don't want people um, dating them purely because of it. And I'm like, I, I want to know why, because like that's an important aspect of you. I'd like to add that I think everyone is a little bit of a hot mess. No one's perfect. So I don't think that's you're any weirder than any of us. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I can confirm I was a hot mess. Hot lesbian messes. Yet they're somehow still available. <laughs> hot tea <laughs> in Los Angeles. Get it, Elise. She's totally a catch. Just just give her a trial period of one year. <laughs> Maybe not one year. Like, I don't know, a couple months. I actually want to segue into this really important prompt that kind of relates to what I just said right now. I want to go ahead and start off with this prompt by saying, would being with another queer professional mitigate circumstances around your sexuality in your family? If you don't feel like you can relate with that, you can just share whatever's on your mind. Uh, I can say that um, Nicole and I, well, my partner and I, recently came out to our family in the last few years. And I know that um, when I was coming out to my family, it became easier knowing that my partner was also a professional and also Vietnamese and Asian. I just think that like being gay was already hard enough. It was, it would be a lot more difficult to accept it if it was something out of the ordinary for them, because I think that my partner is somebody that my parents would love generally as a person. Just um, they can talk to her. She's a good daughter. Um, they can relate to her. The only difference is that she's gay 
and she's with me. Um, and that, that just kind of made it a little easier on my part, because I think that as they're working through this, they only have to work through the fact that I am gay and not have to work over the fact that I am gay and there's all these other things that they're uncomfortable with. Elise, Angela? I don't know, actually. That's a good question. I think the bigger issue was me being more professional. I think I strive to be the perfect child because I knew deep down that I was always gay, and I thought that that would mitigate coming out circumstances and reactions. And it, I don't think it really did because my parents and my mom didn't have the best reaction but they came to terms with it and we don't really talk about it, but I think both parents are okay with it. So I'm not sure if dating another queer professional would make that any better or worse. I mean, maybe I think they would take me dating a professional better than me dating like a, I don't know, McDonald's uh, cashier because they would always threaten if I didn't do well in school that I would become a McDonald's cashier. Oh my God. <laughs> that is, that is a bit much. Yeah. But I, I feel like I grew up in those same circumstances too, where I wasn't told about being McDonald's cashier. They just straight up told me like, you're going to end up homeless. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, that is a bit much to say to me, but I think I got the message. Um, I will say that, like, um, jumping off of what you said, Elise, you know, I kind of, growing up, I was always the golden child. I did everything right by my parents' eyes. You know, I graduated valedictorian. I ended up with scholarships, and I was at UCLA, and then I, like, ended up with all of these scholarships up at, um, you know, a really good university and became a dentist. So on paper, everything looked good. But for me, the hardest part about coming out was it felt that me being gay negated all of those attributes about myself. And honestly, like I, like I said earlier, I feared disappointing my parents. And that was really, really scary for me. But yeah, I guess being in a way, I, I would feel a lot worse if I, I wasn't successful. <laughs> And I had to come out to them too. It's just, but um, it was hard coming to terms with that aspect of my identity. Uh, yeah, I completely empathize with that. So I came out like around my first year in law school and I was so afraid of losing my family's support, like me being in law school or whatever, being on scholarships and going to UC and all that. Like, I felt like it didn't matter in the long run, because like, I'm gay, or something like that, you know, that's what I was anticipating the reaction to be. And for a while, like, okay, the reaction was not the best. And it really felt like my worst fears had come true, that my success really meant nothing to my family, because I was lesbian. But over time, like we worked out those differences, and we're in a much better place now. I will say being in this field, the legal field, gave me a bit more leverage in terms of like dealing with my parents because in their eyes being in this position is like successful so that kind of mitigates being gay it's something I'm still like grappling with but I you know, just wanted to say like I completely empathize with that what you're saying I find it annoying that it seems um, 
this is a common thing between all of us. It, it's almost like because we are gay, our, our achievements are lessened. Um, I definitely feel a little bit of, between my cousins, that even though they, they do think I'm a golden child or something, if my parents were to tell my family that I am gay, that it would all go to dust. That's not a fun feeling to deal with, you know. Big mood. Guess what? I'm estranged from a lot of my cousins. I grew up with a ton of girl cousins. My dad's side has 10 brothers and sisters. um, And I'm estranged from literally 90% of my cousins after coming out. They were okay with me originally coming out as bi, but I was really using that as, as a guise to protect myself. As I mentioned in the previous podcast, um, I do wish you luck with the best of that and, you know, stay strong and know that you have a support network uh, on my end. It really is unfortunate. Like, you know, like, honestly, they're like my my cousin's fiance. Oh, my gosh. They think that he literally really, really, really knows tech. And my mom thought that he even knew tech more than me. And everybody thinks he knows tech more than me. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like if you guys like actually caught up with me and if I was actually in your life, you guys would actually know what I'm up to rather than assuming I'm just this wandering lesbian. (laughs) And a lot of my cousins come from similar backgrounds as we have majority of them have gone to UCLA or USC. And I don't think that that's honestly common. I just think I just think my family, my dad's side, we're really hardworking and we're a bunch of nerds, to be quite honest. Um, It's just, it's really unfair to even take that into account at all. Like, I really just think that, you know, we really earned our spot. We are helping the community. Like I said before, like in my previous post for International Lesbian Day a couple of days back, that... I want people to really see myself in in some before they see me being, uh, you know, a Filipino Chinese lesbian. That's just icing on the cake to me. That makes me very courageous and that makes me very, you know, just very much standing in my own purpose. It's too bad that the Asian community sees it that way with certain families. I, yeah, that, uh, that sucks that your family were they were so cruel and did that. It's, it's like, you knew me, they knew you for so long. And because of one single label that doesn't define you as a person in entirety that you can't even participate. Yeah. That was weird. I got, I never, I always got solo invites, um, to weddings and even my younger cousins that were literally baby teenagers, they were allowed to bring their literal girlfriend for the month over. And I just, I slowly started to feel myself isolated. And then sometimes like I didn't even get an invite, you know, at some point, uh, sometimes they still do reach out, but I feel ultimately, you know, since you guys kind of showed me how you really are, I'm just going to do my own thing. And I'd rather create a a chosen network and I'm perfectly fine living my life peacefully because I know I'm doing the best that I can. And yeah, I'll find my way. It'll be okay. And Angela, do you want to kind of add something to what you had mentioned earlier about, you know, I actually, isn't your, isn't your uh, girlfriend Korean you said before? 
And you also mentioned before, can you explain to the audience, like, I think you said to me personally that your girlfriend is not a professional, whereas uh, Marilyn's situation, she is with somebody that's professional. I don't know about you, Elise, but for me personally, I've been dating professionally since after college. Professionals, professionally. Um, yeah, so my partner is also Filipino, but yeah, like I mentioned to you, um not in the traditional professional field. She's in like a, like a creative field doing some design stuff. I guess my focus was not so much on like being in the quote unquote professional field. It was more like, are you a driven kind of person with sort of like big goals in your life? And are you willing to like do the work necessary to achieve those goals? So I've always placed emphasis on just being with someone who has dry drive, if you will. That's what I'll call it drive. I think that's really important to clarify to the audience that we aren't specifying that being a professional, we are so much better or like we only date specifically to a professional. It's just that as a professional, there are certain things that we experience that are different um, or that the Asian community perceives as different because I was up and ready to become um, a high school AP chemistry teacher, and I would have happily um, done that. It's just that at the time, I felt that dentistry was pulling me a little bit more. But everybody else in the Asian community was caught up in the fact that being a teacher would have made little to no money. But I know I would have been a very passionate and a really amazing teacher that could have made a large difference um, in society. So for me, I don't care about what it is that you do. I care about why you do it. I agree with that statement. I don't really make a distinguish. I like don't distinguish between like what you do as long as you're passionate about what you do, then you'll be an interesting person to me. Because if you're just in like finance for money, I'm going to be bored out of my mind trying to talk to you, you know? Yeah, I can't date accountants. <laughs> I just can't. Oh, that's too bad. There's some really nice girls out there that are accountants, but yeah, my dad's an accountant. I can't. I can't. It's it's not my cup of tea. I'm going to wrap up this prompt here. Oh, goodness gracious. I feel like this question is definitely designed for me and my family. It's almost like all or nothing. Be single forever if you can't find a person that's going to be your teammate, be your partner, your real partner. My family kind of feels that way about my sexuality, where they would prefer that it really be pushed back really extremely far. The things are blocking me from their view of what my success would look like, which is really ultimately like how they see my happiness and how they see just my my potential, to be quite honest, because uh, they know that whatever I go into, I we'll be able to, you know, think about the, you know, just the way to be independent through that. They aren't necessarily worried about my ability to uh, finance myself through anything that I need. Uh, however, if I were to ever bring somebody home, I feel like my family operates in a really peculiar way. I guess you would say, I don't know, I guess it goes back to what Marilyn said about you know, when we talk about dating professionals, there are just some things in terms of lifestyle or possibly even common interests at times that really kind of helps uh, with having them 
fit in to your world. And the way I see it, in my opinion, with my family, I, I'm really, really, really close to my nuclear family. They're all busy, but I'm still close to them. I'm really one of the people there in the family, one of the siblings that is really the rock for all the other siblings, despite being the middle sibling. Now, ooh, I feel like back home in the Philippines, Filipino culture, the way it's run, it's it's almost run kind of like it's, I don't want to say like a high class society, but it definitely is run where it's a place where it's either old money or new money and people live their lives a particular way. So my cousins are doctors and they're with doctors and here back home, my my cousins, you know, have their doctorates and they're with other people that have doctorates. I, I wouldn't really know how I'd feel since I never really brought anybody home that wasn't a professional, you know, like how, how that might feel. Even for my lifestyle, like I want someone to really be understanding of the work that I do professionally and in the community. Like it really helps. I feel like I'm beating around the bush and saying I feel like this poor girl would have to check off every single box that my family feels would really fit my community and ultimately like what I'm looking for. And the sad thing is to be quite honest, like I agree with my family completely. Like I feel like they really, really, really know me. They know, you know, me emotionally. They know me in terms of character and values since I was, you know, obviously raised by them. And if it doesn't match, then I honestly sometimes won't even bother try trying to date. Because to be quite honest, even for me ending a three or four year relationship, like it's not ideal for me. And I know that it happens in life, but essentially back home, people are really waiting for me to bring someone back home. Like that's, that's just my culture. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine standing in my culture. I really don't want to like change it. People back home are thinking, wow, what's up with these American girls, Carmela? Like seriously because your cousins already have kids and you know I'm grateful that the people back home accept me more than my own extended family here in LA and my cousins in San Francisco but to be quite honest sometimes they don't even see that it could be me at times like when I need self-development they really see it more like oh these queer kids they don't they, <laughs> they don't take things seriously like you're, you're better off just doing your own thing and that's completely untrue because we literally have these ladies here you know explaining such a rich and diverse like life they've had so far as you know a lesbian in LA and you know they're right alongside with me living in this queer Asian community so yeah I, I really don't feel too enthused but hey as long as I know what you guys are up to. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool just hanging with everyone else. I think self-development is very important. I think sometimes people date in order to complete themselves, and I don't think that is very healthy. Um, I have come to terms that I did that in the past, and uh, it's it makes sense because you kind of like rely on other people for validation, whereas you should just be happy with yourself first. And dating is a lot more healthier and less anxiety inducing now 
because I am more collected. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but um, it seems like in the queer community, especially maybe more so in the younger queer community, I think that when you go through the process of realizing that you're queer and realizing that your dating pool is much smaller, there's this general fear that you won't be able to find anybody. So people latch on to other people um, before I think they really know themselves or worked through all of their, you know, own emotional traumas. And I think trying to figure out why you think a certain way, why you react a certain way, how you communicate, how do you speak to other people and where it comes from, where it derives from is really important because only when you are able to hone those skills um, and only when you're able to really love yourself where you really don't need anybody else. You don't need anybody else. You just want somebody else in your life. Are you really ready for a relationship, in my opinion? Angela, do you have anything to say to that in terms of self-improvement? Um, yeah, uh, I also admit that um, when I first started dating, I was sort of guilty of that because uh, just the realization of how small this community is. But uh, over time, that's also something I learned, which is I need to be happy with what I'm doing myself before I could try to be happy with other people. I think it might be impossible to have that completely figured out like before you're ready to enter a relationship with anyone. Like maybe you've overestimated like, oh, I feel comfortable in my identity. But when you're actually in the relationship, problems you weren't aware of might arise. But I think it is important to be cognizant of it and then try to differentiate between what is a problem with your relationship and what is actually like a problem with yourself as a person and you're just bringing it into the relationship I think it's important to be cognizant of that totally agree with you right there you hit the head on the nail yeah I agree I don't think that you need to be whole to really enter a relationship um I just but being cognizant of those issues is um important and always really self-assessing yourself in the relationship and helping each other grow through those issues. Um, I think that Elise uh, mentioned earlier that people um, get into relationships trying to solve those issues. And yeah, that's where the problem is. Yeah. To put it in like a one liner, it's like you want to be happy with someone else and not be happy because of someone else. Sorry, med students are all about these one liners and these brief summaries. No, I like the, I like the concise summaries. I think I have um, all of this written out somewhere, like in different fashion. So I like the way that other people articulate that same um, general concept, you know? I can't say the legal field has a reputation for just one liners. <laughs> oh my God, Angela. Oh my gosh, we're in this together. It's true, though. <laughs> Honestly, how I feel about it, I would say successful relationships happen if you really delve into the inner work first for a while. I actually didn't, I didn't realize I had a lot of inner work to do until after college. And when I spent years working on that, I think it really provided the foundation I needed to enter my last relationship. My former partner, she still needed time to develop that. So even though I had started that years before, we kind of sat down and talked about, you know, options for her self-care before we ended things. And 
actually helped her find a provider uh, where she's at now. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a really mature thing that we sat down and and did that. And you know, I recognized it. Um, I just think in the future, it's it's really useful. You know, you may like somebody a ton, but you have to really kind of be honest. Like if you're really the one doing the self work. And they might be at a different place or they might not even like realize or maybe they're just on a different path or a different journey, a different stage. You have to sit and think to yourself, you know, what am what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Like how how is this helping? Probably something that needs its own time and space ultimately. And I think I'm finding that before I really like cut off dating cold turkey right now, I'm finding myself in in that situation. But the good news is, is that I'm working on myself again, so I'll be perfectly fine. Any kind of final experiences you want to share? Maybe something that's happening in the near future, or just even just a word of wisdom to kind of encourage right other Asian lesbians out there that may really be navigating their space early on like a lot of the audience uh, identifies much younger whether it's high school or undergrad it's pretty hard to come out to parents in general and I think being part of the Asian American community is another layer of difficulty on top of that but I think a good takeaway point is it's not impossible to be out to family. And that's always a hard field to navigate. Like, I, I got lucky with my family or with my parents. But it's possible. And, you know, we're all works in progress. So I think even if parents don't react well the first the moment that you do come out, it for me, I, I realized that, like, my parents are also a work in progress. And, like, they needed more exposure, more time, and eventually it's taken like four or five years for them to be okay with me ranting about exes. Just as our parents are patient with us, we also have to be patient with them. Oh my gosh, my mom throws so much shade at the girls I date. Like, my mom doesn't hold back. In my opinion, I came out early because I was thinking, "Mm, girl, I'm going to be married by 27. We're going to be traveling the world. I'm going to have my Tiffany's ring. (laughs) Like I was dreaming a bit too hard and I just wanted to get it out of the way. I was like, okay, it's going to be hell because I know I'm Filipino Chinese and, you know, everyone will hope Jesus will make me turn around and just magically be with an Asian guy someday. And that didn't happen. Everyone has their own stage, right? Like everybody that we've ever dated that is queer, they've had their own stage coming out. Uh, I just wanted it early to get it over with. And I think it worked out coming out early on my end. Uh, If there's anything I could say to anyone listening, it's um, I used to isolate myself a lot. And I realized now it's like a very unhealthy coping mechanism. If you're feeling overwhelmed just by like being... Like all the challenges that come with being queer, being Asian, navigating certain spaces, um, it's fine just to tell, like find people and tell them how you're feeling. I think more people are going through what you're going through than you might know. And uh, just being with people like me or who could be sympathetic to what I was experiencing really helped me grow as a person and helped me find the success that I'm enjoying 
now. So that's what I like to say. Just don't be afraid to reach out. If I were to tell the audience anything, I would say, love thyself. And part of that means knowing what you are worth and knowing what your boundaries are and not being afraid to express that. Your fear of being alone, your fear of not finding anyone else, or your fear of like losing this person in your life should not overpower your own happiness. And you should be able to recognize all of the signs of what a toxic relationship is because that is so rampant in this dating community, especially in this like fleeting culture of what's on the other side. Maybe the grass is greener on the other side. Ooh, tea, Marilyn, that tea. <laughs> I just it is a hot say. tea. Hot tea, Marilyn. You're not holding back on that one. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was like, that's not related to this. But it's kind of semi-related, but I feel like it's kind of important if we're talking about dating. And that is seriously the queer Asian community sometimes. And, and that's why Izzy, she believes in queer Asian people really vouching for themselves and supporting themselves. But, you know, she's a sweetheart. She still believes that the community should support each other and in my opinion, you know, I gathered, I assembled y'all like Charlie's Angels Power Rangers because I really believe that you all have a good head on your shoulders and who knows, we might have a chip on our shoulder, each and every one of us. But, you know, it is possible to really sit down and talk about these things and really appreciate that kind of space and have it be a healthy space. Just to echo that like you're not on the journey alone. Like there are isolating moments in life, but being able to surround yourself with good friends and chosen family is uh, really important. And also people shouldn't be ashamed to reach out to mental health services. I think that's a stigma in the Asian community that needs to be addressed because there are a lot of like mental health issues that stem from the way we were raised, like our family. And just, you know, normal societal pressures and in like a high achieving field you tend to get more neurotic type people so yeah it's important to like know yourself and know when you can't handle life on your own you you can reach out for help like that's that's not anything to be ashamed of that is some wise tea elise you know mental health in the asian community is something we're gonna talk on the podcast with later so I hope everybody kind of tunes into that I'm kind of thinking of inviting some people that'll really that are obviously Asian as well uh, to provide like a international experience on what that might mean in our queer Asian spaces you know online and offline Angela do you have anything to say real quick uh no this tea has been excellent I don't really have any tea of my own to add um mm-hmm. in terms of like refer- referencing toxic relationship i just do want to give a quick shout out to domestic violence awareness month for the month of october so just know that if you're questioning like if someone is overstepping their boundaries or you feel maybe isolated there are resources out there for you to try and get help i think it's something that isn't discussed very much in like the queer dating world but it is important so that, that's all i have to say there is such thing as emotional abuse. It's not just physical abuse. You're here. I'm really happy that we're able to kind of extend ourselves in this community. And obviously they've taken chances to get to know some 
new friends in the community and sometimes people wonder like you know why are we all trying to get to know each other in this community it's so drama filled this and that and although that may be true I do believe that you know if you've got the a really good heart and the right kind of personality and you've lived through life enough kind of like backing up on what the three of them had said you can really find yourself a real community where you all don't have to have so much in common, but there can at least be, you know, a general amount of respect for experiences such as the ones that we've discussed. And just know that if you're going through a hard time right now in high school or in college, it definitely gets better. Like, I promise you, it really does get better. And there are more ways than one for you to protect and honor yourself and you're fine the way you are. And if you want to ever self-improve, that's on you. But it's really great to be a lesbian, international lesbian day. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe hard to date, but, you know, I love myself as a lesbian. I don't know about y'all. I can confirm being lesbian's pretty great. Yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. I would not want to be anything else. So I think that wraps up such an epic podcast. This is one for the ages. I've been waiting to seriously have really cool women talk about this kind of stuff. I'm just so happy I'm back home in LA. Thank you, ladies. And you know, just to let you all know, audience, if you ever kind of want to reach out, any further questions, any comments, Obviously, Marilyn is taken. Uh, Angela is taken. Elise is completely available. <laughs> and I am not. I want to thank everybody for such an excellent podcast. I'm going to wrap this up real quick. You know, Izzy will be back, so just wait for her. And so this is East T. West signing out. Represent. See you later. <laughs>